Well, good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor. So good to have you guys with us today. Today we are wrapping up our series, Back to School. Uh, I've got one more thing to share with you about this. And then next Sunday, I'm actually really excited about this, uh, about what's happening next week. Uh, maybe you don't know, our church is a part of a larger network called the ARC, the Association of Related Churches. There's about 900 or so ARC churches in the U.S. Just this month, we launched 28 brand new ARC churches in cities all over. It's a big deal. That's amazing. And uh, you guys were a part of that through your generosity. Uh, we give a portion of everything that we bring in to the ARC. It goes straight to these brand new church plants uh, to, to get them started so that there's new life-giving churches in cities all over America. And ARC, our organization, it sets up this structure for us, uh, kind of a, a leadership structure and things like that. And part of it is they want to make sure that all these young pastors who are starting churches aren't trying to do it all by themselves. So we believe that, uh, that, that nobody should do ministry alone. And so as a means of helping uh, maintain integrity for me, uh, as a way of making sure that I'm being pastored because every pastor needs a pastor, and as a way of, uh, of having some guys who've done this for a little bit more time than I have helping show us the way, they set up a structure of overseers. And so we have three overseers who are lead pastors of other churches who help pour into our church who you, you don't know who they are probably, but they have affected your life if you've been affected by this church because this church exists because of the way they poured into it. And next Sunday, one of our overseeing pastors is going to be sharing the message here at the Gathering Church. His name is Ernest Smith, and he is the lead pastor of Front Range Christian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado, in the Denver, Colorado area. It is an amazing church that has influenced us in so many ways. And Pastor Ernest has been one of my closest personal pastors. Every time I've had a crisis or a bad day, he's the first person I call. He always answers the phone. He always picks it up. And, um, and so I'm just so honored that he's going to be here next Sunday. And uh, he's going to share a message that is timely, that our, that our city needs and that our church needs right now. And so I really want to encourage you, uh, bless me by making sure you show up next week to bless him and, and, uh, and let him share this message that God's laid on his heart with you. It's going to be a great Sunday. We're really looking forward to it. And then right after that, we go into this series at the movies, which is just going to be a whole bunch of fun. We're going to have popcorn. We're going to have Coca-Cola. We're going to do it big on Sunday morning. And so... Um, we're looking forward to what's coming next. But let, let's get into this message today because uh, I've got one more thing really to share in this series before we wrap it up. We, we've been talking about back to school time, back to school. Maybe you've been affected by back to school. Maybe you've got kids who are going back to school or you're going back to school or you've been in some traffic because of back to school. You've had to wait. Those school, the school bus stopped in front of you at the worst possible moment and you just knew that you, you would have definitely been on time if that school bus hadn't stopped. I got to tell you, if the school bus makes you late, you were going to be late, okay? But that's a public service announcement, leave earlier from your house. But maybe you've been affected by back to school, you've seen it. See, I think this time of year, what happens is over the summer, we kind of settle into this, this summertime rhythm. We get a summer season going. We get comfortable. Life kind of relaxes a little bit. We're not really pressing in on life quite as much. And then back to school season starts and it's like we're off to the races 
Things get back in swing. We're back in our rhythm and routines. We're, we're seeing all kinds of new stuff enter our lives. And I think what can happen a lot of times is in our Christian faith, we can hit these summer seasons where you've been following Jesus maybe for a little bit of time, maybe for a long time, and then you hit this moment where it feels like everything's kind of slowed down. Maybe you've, you're taking some breaks from some things, or, or you've kind of laid back on some things, and, and you, you've really slowed down, and as a result, you haven't felt as, as much in the presence of God as you're used to, or, or maybe you're starting to feel more and more distant from him. And this summer season, although it seemed like it might be a restful season in the beginning, has turned into a season of distancing. And so our goal in this series has really just been to go back to school with our faith, to, to take a couple weeks to, to look at some of the areas that we're excited about when we first enter into Christianity and, uh, and to remember that now as, as followers of Jesus, that there was a, a king in the Old Testament named David. You probably heard of him, David and Goliath fame. And David was this amazing king, in fact, probably the greatest king that the nation of Israel ever had. But David hit this summer season. He'd been following God for a couple decades, and time had passed since his call and his anointing, and, and he hit this season where he stopped pursuing God in the way that he had when he was called. And as a result, he made some big mistakes, and it led him into this season of remorse and regret and on the other side of that, he wrote this psalm, Psalm 51, and he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And that's what we talked about in the first two weeks of this series, about what it would look like for us to have the joy of our salvation restored, to remember why we fell in love with Jesus in the first place. And then in the second week, we talked about uh, what it would be like to have this willing spirit inside of us again, like when you first enter into a relationship with Jesus, you have this desire, this willing spirit to find freedom, to be free of the life that you lived before and to enter into a new one. But over time, that can fade. And so we talked about what it looked like to have that restored Within us, last week, we talked about having an eternal mindset that we often have when we enter into a relationship with Jesus that can get bogged down by life. And this week, I want to focus in on the second part of that, that verse. On verse 13, it says, David says, Restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me, and then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. David says, God, make me feel the excitement that I once felt when I entered into this journey with you. And then give me the desire to find freedom from the things that keep getting in my way. And God, if you'll do that, then I will use my gifts to make a difference for your kingdom. And that's what I want to talk about today, what it, what it looks like to, to use our gifts to make a difference for his kingdom. I think a lot of times, one of the things that pushes us towards a relationship with Jesus, maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, and you're here because inside of you is this desire to answer some questions. You, you feel like there must be more, like, like some, there's got to be something bigger in this life, like there's got to there's be this, this meaning to all of it. And, Maybe that's even why you came this morning. And I think a lot of times we enter into a relationship with Jesus with a desire to fill this hole we have to, to matter, to belong to something bigger than ourselves, to, to make a difference in this world. And, 
And so we enter into this relationship with Jesus. We, we find freedom from areas that, that we wanted to leave behind. And then God starts to reveal to us a purpose. See, I believe you were created with a purpose. You were made with a job to do. You, you've got things in you that God put in you because he had a dream for you. Ephesians 2.10 says, you are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works prepared in advance for you to do. See, he, he had an assignment in mind for you when he was making you. When he was crafting you, putting all the pieces together, he gave you gifts. Gifts that are in you because he has a plan for you, a purpose for you. And I believe that all of our lives we are searching for that purpose because we have a need inside of us to do what God has made us to do. All the natural things that you're good at, the gifts that you've been given, the, the passions you have, the, the dreams you have, the desires you have, they only reach completion when we learn how to use those gifts to pursue the purpose he created us with and to serve others and glorify him. All of our purposes move in this one direction that we would serve others and glorify him. But I think what happens is over time, either we, we stop trying to figure out what these gifts are or we stop pursuing or whatever happens and, and we just don't use those gifts. And as a parent, I know how that feels. See, if you don't have kids, I'm going to tell you a secret. Children do not appreciate gifts. They don't. What, what children love is receiving gifts. They love the moment of opening a gift. They love getting something they didn't have before. They love that they have it and that somebody else doesn't. Secretly, they love that. They love the moment of, and for a couple weeks, maybe a couple months, if it's like a big toy, for a couple weeks, for a few minutes sometimes, they use that gift. But then they forget that it ever existed in the first place. And what happens is that gift goes then into a toy box where it is doomed to live the rest of its days. Actually, one of two things will happen. Either at some point, inexplicably, that toy will come out of the toy box and go into the middle of the floor without ever having been played with so that I can trip and fall on it sometime during the night. Or mom somehow realizes that this gift hasn't been played with and it goes to goodwill. And that is the journey of, that's the real toy story right there, okay? That's the version they're not going to make a movie about, all right? Kids don't play with them. And so I know what it feels like as a parent to have given gifts that aren't used. It's frustrating. See, I believe God is frustrated when we don't use our gifts. And I believe inside of us, we feel a mirrored version of that frustration. That when we don't use the gifts we've been given the way he intended for us to use them, that we feel frustrated. And so what I want us to do this morning is just be rem reminded of how to use our gifts. I think we don't use our gifts for a few different reasons. I think maybe for you, I think the most common answer that I hear when I talk to people is burnout. Maybe you got burned out. Uh, I think burnout is way too common in Christian culture. I hear this story, I don't know how many times when people come to our church, they say, oh, I was at some other church at some point long ago. And I feel like I was taken advantage of. And now I'm burned out and I need a break. And I understand it. We've lived it. We've seen it. We've been there. 
Burnout happens, and it happens for a lot of reasons. It happens when we serve without clarity over what we've been asked to do. It happens when we serve without vision for why we've been asked to do it. It happens when we serve without celebrating wins that happened because we were using our gifts, because we don't know that it is making the difference we hope it's making. I think burnout happens for, I mean, we've, we've all been in the conversation. Maybe you haven't, but I have. A lot of us have been in the conversation in a church where the, you've been going for long enough that the pastor starts to remember you, which is always bad. And then the pastor comes and he says, hey, you, did you know that we have a vacancy in X spot? And you're like, what? And then next thing you know, you have a name tag. And you're like, where did this name tag come from? And then next thing you know, five years have gone by. And you've been on that roster every single week showing up. And you're thinking, why am I doing this? What is this for? Where am I? I don't even, I don't even like coffee. I don't even like the smell of coffee. Why have I been making so much coffee for so long? How did this happen to me? And then you're burned out. And you don't want to do that anymore. And so we run from it. We move. We go to a different church. And, and we don't want to risk that happening again. And so we distance ourselves. But you have gifts. Gifts that need to be used. Gifts not just for the church, but gifts that need to be used to serve people in every way and in every area of your life. Maybe you got too comfortable. Sometimes we just get comfortable. We, we talked a couple weeks ago about how time can create complacency. And how this happens in our journey of finding freedom that, that we, didn't, we didn't find the freedom we wanted fast enough. And so over time, we just stopped trying and, and we just let our habit be our habit. I think the same thing can happen when it comes to our gifts that we, maybe you took a break or, or you, you were trying to figure out what your gifts are and you never got any further than just wondering. And over time, you just kind of got comfortable with where you're at. We get comfortable with the fact that we're not doing much with it or, or that that we're in this season, and, and maybe this season will end, and, and maybe it won't. Or maybe you got comfortable because you found a counterfeit purpose. A counterfeit purpose. That means you're using your gifts in a way that builds you up, not others. And you're using your gifts in a way that honors you and not God. I think this happens a lot. We, we've got things that we're good at, and sometimes we discover what those gifts are. And we know that we're good at these things. And we start to put these things to use because we want to use the gifts we've been given. But instead of using them the way that you are made to, I need to tell you that your gifts were given to you to build up others. And that your gifts were given to you to honor God. But we get these counterfeit purposes. These other things that we're, we, we're good at. We're doing this thing that we're good at and it makes us, builds us up. It makes us feel good. It makes us look good builds up our kingdom. We start to feel honor for ourselves. And that all that recognition and, and just, just knowing that you're good at something, doing something you're good at always feels good. Always feels good. But what can happen is, over time, since we're not putting those gifts to use in the right direction, we just start to feel a little bit empty inside. And so we start to wonder, I'm, I'm doing what I'm good at. Every day I'm going to work and I'm doing a job I'm great at. I'm, I'm, I'm around people and I'm I've got 76,000 followers on Instagram, and I'm doing this thing that works for me, and I don't understand why do I feel empty still. And so then we'll throw that counterfeit purpose away, and we'll start to pursue a different one. And it's this cycle that we get in. Maybe you've been too comfortable. Maybe you just don't know you have gifts. Maybe somebody in your life at some point told you that you didn't have anything good about you. Maybe at some point in your life, somebody told you that you would never be good enough, that you didn't have anything to offer that, that, that you, you were picked last too many times growing up through school. 
Or, or you, were, you were told, hey, uh, we're glad that you're in the choir, but we're going to put you in that back corner over there, and we'd just like it if you would lip sync. You're a great lip syncer. We'd love to see you do that more. And what happens is over time, this becomes the narration that we give ourselves. I don't have anything to offer. I can, what do they want me for? I'm, I'm, I'm just here. I exist, but I don't really, I don't bring anything to the table. You need to know that is not true about you. You were crafted, created by, an, by, by a designer who calls you his masterpiece. And it says that he gave you good works that he created in advance for you to do. Every single person has a purpose. Uh, secular psychology has something called the hierarchy of needs. I like to bring this up because it, I love it when science backs up what God has already revealed. I think this happens a lot. And there's this, uh, this hierarchy of needs. Abraham Maslow came up with it a long time ago, like a long time ago, long, long, like forever, right? And so this has been known for a long time. And for a long time, his, high, his highest need was self-actualization, to know who I am, to know what my purpose is, what my gifts are, to know what I'm good at, to know, to know the deepest parts of myself. But what psychologists found over time and studying this was that people who knew who they really were still weren't satisfied just in knowing. So they added another step. It's transcendence. It's not just knowing who I am, but it's using what I know to serve others. It's doing something outside myself, beyond myself. You have a need inside of you to use your gifts to serve others. You'll hear us talk here at the church a lot about this process that we want you to go down that we believe Scripture revealed to us. and It appears all throughout the Bible from Exodus to Revelation. There's hints of it in Genesis. Seven different books of the Bible reveal this plan in its entirety. Thirty-three different books reveal different parts and pieces of it. It's over and over and over again. God wants us to know God. He wants us to just know him personally, to know who he is, to, to be in relationship with him, to, to know about him, to, to, not just, to not just worship some far-off entity, but rather to be known by him and to know him personally. And that's the first step. You don't have to do anything else first. You can just know him. Whoever you are right now, that's the person that gets to know God. And then, once you know him, he'll give you the tools you need to find freedom. Once you know God, then he wants you to be released. He doesn't want you to be in chains anymore. He doesn't want you to be a prisoner anymore. He doesn't want you to have to drag around your baggage from one relationship to the next. He doesn't want you to have to live as a slave to this addiction, to this habit. He doesn't want you to have to constantly have your, your eyes blinded by this mindset that you can't break free from. No, I believe you could be healed from all of that. And he wants to give you that healing. So he wants you to find freedom. After you know him, he wants you to find freedom. And then he wants you to discover your purpose. Because I think the two best days in any man's life are the day he's born and the day that he discovers why he was born. He wants you to know your why. And then he wants you to use that purpose to make a difference for others. And we talk a lot at this church about what it looks like uh, just, just to walk through this journey and through this pathway. And often you'll hear us talk about your purpose and we'll, we'll connect it to this idea of being a part of what God is doing in the church. And I just think that we say that so much because I believe with all of my heart that the gifts that have been given to you, the things that he placed inside of you were made to serve his church. But I need you to hear me say this morning, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. You have gifts that you were given that you should be using in every day of your life, every moment, every part of it, 
you were made to serve others. And you will feel no greater satisfaction in this life than when that's the way you are living. And we hit these summer seasons and we don't know what all these missing pieces are. And I think there can be so many different missing pieces. But the most common missing piece when we feel like, why am I a Christian and yet I don't feel fulfilled? Why am I a Christian and yet I don't feel the presence of God? Why am I a Christian and yet I still feel just as empty as I did before I prayed that prayer? I think the answer to that so often, over and over and over again, I have these conversations with people. And it is because we have gifts that he gave us, that he gave us a purpose, that he has dreams for us. And we're not using our gifts. Got to use your gifts. So let's talk for a couple minutes this morning about how we can use our gifts. First, if you haven't done it yet, you need to discover your purpose. You need to figure out what your gifts are and how they connect with your future. I believe that you were given things. There are things that you are good at that somebody else isn't. That you are a puzzle piece that is supposed to connect to something larger. Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. The young prophet Jeremiah was, was called to, to share these kind of scary prophecies with the nation of Israel. He was terrified. He didn't want to do it. He didn't feel like he was the right person for the job. And this is what God says to him. Before you were born, I knew you. I set you apart. Here's what I made you to do. And those words that God speaks into the heart of Jeremiah are just as true for you today as they were for him. Before you were formed in the womb, he knew you. He placed every piece together. All of the things that you're passionate about, the, 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 the things that you just have always been good at, God put there with this dream in mind. The things that you've always liked to do, the things that, that you have an ease with, the ease you have in making people feel comfortable, the way that you understand what people are going through in a way that most people don't naturally understand, the ease you have in using your words, the way that you can communicate and take complicated things and, and make them simpler things for people, the, the way that people feel warmer when they're around you without you ever having to, to say anything about it, the, the way that you're good with your hands and at building things, making things, putting things together, the way you can problem solve and th that other people can't really do. You can look at it from a unique angle and, and start to solve these problems. All of these things that we can be naturally good at. God placed there with a purpose in mind. You are good at these things because he wanted you to be. And he has these dreams for you. And he has, he's, we live our lives and all of these things happen. And I think what happens is a lot of times we, we think that our experiences and the mistakes that we've made or the horrible things that have happened to us in some way create a greater distance between us and what God has made us to do. But I would put to you that your life experiences, good and bad, are a part, God is going to use those as a part of the purpose that he's called you to. Romans 8, 28 says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And what does it say next? who have been called according 
to his purpose. It all, he can connect the worst parts of your story and the gifts that he's given you. He wants to use you to affect the worst parts of somebody else's story and bring them through it and call them out of it and build over and over. We get this imagery in Isaiah 61. It talks about how Jesus is gonna come to break the captives free, that he's gonna rebuild ancient ruins that were long devastated, and then he's gonna set them up as oaks of righteousness, symbols of strength in their community, and then they will rebuild build the ancient ruins. You see, what happens is the way that we live doesn't disqualify us. It qualifies us in unique ways. The mistakes that we've made, the tragedy that we've endured, the unique perspective that it's given us goes next to your gifts. And somewhere in this place between your gifts and the life that you've lived is where your purpose is. It's right there. That's how you find it. You look in there somewhere and you have natural gifts gifts that you're naturally good at, things that that you've always been good at. And then you have spiritual gifts. If you follow Jesus, what happens is his Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. It's called the second baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is the same spirit that would wake Jesus up three days after he died. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And when his spirit comes alongside of us, inside of us, he brings gifts with him. And those gifts God gave specifically to you. Who's going to give you a different gift than he gives me? Because the gift that he gives you is perfect for the purpose that he's called you to. And so they go with your natural gifts. So let me tell you, I'll use myself as an example. I've always been good at communicating to big crowds of people. That's always just been natural for me. I was in the fourth grade when I won my first storytelling composition at a state level. I'm just saying, I was telling Br'er Rabbit and the Tar Baby, come on somebody, some brother bear, Br'er Bear and Br'er Fox, Br'er Rabbit. I was real country. It's great. I'm still recognized for that sometimes. You're the Br'er Rabbit guy. That's not true. Nobody recognized me for that ever. (laughs) That's a natural gift. I've always been good at that. What I've never been very good at is discernment, wisdom, management, leadership. And I'm a pastor, and i got to tell you, there's more to it than preaching, okay? All of those things are the things that I have to do all week long. That you can't, we started, if you didn't know, this church is three and a half years old. We started it from scratch. It didn't exist before that. And I'm just telling you that you can't, without the ability to manage and lead and, and do all of the things that are, have discernment and wisdom, you can't do that. But the Holy Spirit in me, Gives me the gift of discernment and the gift of leadership, gift of management. And then I'm naturally good at communicating. And right in that place, I had a whole lot of horrible life experiences that people connect to. And in that place is the purpose he created me with. Right there. And the same is true for you. And mine isn't better than yours. And yours isn't better than mine. Because we need each other. We want to help you discover your purpose. We want to help you figure out your why. We want to see the look on your face when you figure out what you were made to do. When you realize that you're gifted, that you're called, that you're highly favored, that you're anointed, that God has a dream for you, we want to be there. And so we have a mechanism in place for this, and I'm going to plug it hard right now. Get ready. Growth track. Growth track is so simple. It it, it is not the end-all, be-all, but what it is is a conversation we want to have with you about the gifts God's given you and how he wants to use you to make a difference in our city. That's it. We're trying to make it easier and easier on you, as a matter of fact. Here's a big announcement. Starting next Sunday, Growth Track is one week. 
We realized that because of a recent invention known as the internet, we can now accomplish what step two accomplished through the internet from the comfort of your own home. And so all you have to commit to is after service, and now we're adding another growth track. So there's one after first service and one after second service. It is at 10.30 a.m. and 12.30 p.m. What was that? <laughs> that was metal. Metal just fell from somewhere as a screw. It's about to be Phantom of the Opera in here. <laughs> My life group knows because I revealed to them that I love musicals. And so, anyways, what was I even talking about? What part of the message are we on? Discover Growth Track. I'm telling you about Growth Track. I was attacked. Look at this. It's dangerous. All right. 10.30 a.m., 12.30 p.m. It's 35 minutes. It's right out those doors. Pastor Robbie will be there. I want to be there to meet you. And we just want to help you discover your purpose. We want to make it as easy as possible. We provide child care for both growth tracks. Your kids are taken care of. Just give us 35 minutes and let us help you start this journey of discovering your purpose. We believe there's so much more to it than getting on the dream team and being a part of a, of a volunteer team. It's bigger than that. No, you are the church. We are the church. We need each other. And every single one of us has a part to play in it. And we want to help everyone we can discover how to use their gifts to be the church here on Sunday mornings and everywhere else all the time. Because that's what we were made to do. And so let us help you. If you haven't been to the growth track yet, we're just trying to take away all your reasons and all your excuses. At this point, it's only personal if you don't go. Go to Growth Track starting next week, 10.30 or 12.30, just whatever service you're at, stick around right afterwards, give us a half hour, and let us point you in a direction that I believe will change your life. Second thing is use your gifts as a lifestyle, or I could say it this way, be a servant. Use the way, be a servant the way only you can. It's not just about what we do on Sundays. Following Jesus is about being like Jesus all the time. But you don't have to be like Jesus the way Jesus was like Jesus. You get to be like Jesus the way he made you to be like Jesus. There's gifts in you that are just in you. And you can use them in special, specific ways all, all week long, every single day. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. And as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And even in Matthew, Jesus says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others. Give his life as a ransom for many. You were made for this. Be a servant. You were made to. Transcendence. It's your highest need. We, we just, the devil has done his best at making us believe that our highest need is to serve us. Got to look out for number one. The way that I'll feel best is when I'm doing whatever I want to do all the time. The, the best life for me is one where everybody around me is pointed towards me. I'm just telling you, that life, I've seen it. I've, I know people who are living in it. I've lived it. And it only leads to emptiness and to longing and to a desire for more. That's where it'll take you. Because that's not what you were made to do. You were made to serve others. You were made, everything that's inside of you that you've been given comes alive when you start to point it towards somebody else. As a lifestyle, use your gifts. Be a servant. Be a servant at home. At home. Oh, we don't even think about this one a lot. You've got a ministry at home. If you're married, if you've got a family, you've got a ministry to do at home. Serve at home the way that you would serve anywhere else. I, 
uh, at my wedding, my dad read Philippians 2, 3, and 4. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Just not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. What would it look like if our whole lives just reflected that verse? What would our city look like if everybody started looking out for the interests of others instead of themselves? If I stopped doing things out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, how many of the troubles in my life have come from me doing everything out of selfish ambition and vain conceit? How many of my marital issues have come from me operating out of a place of selfish ambition or vain conceit? What would it look like? If I started to value her interests over mine, use your gifts at home. Serve one another. Use the things you're good at to serve one another. If you have a gift of hospitality placed upon you, don't just use it when company comes over. How many of you have the plates in your house and your kids know when company's coming over because these plates have hit the table? We had, when I was growing up, we had plates that were like these grungy, they had like flowers painted on them. It was bad, real 90s plates that we used for the family, you know? But then my mama had these real nice plates when company was coming over. So we saw those plates on the table. We knew somebody else was coming over for dinner tonight. What would it look like if I served my family on those plates? Start to use my gift to serve the people that I'm called to. What would it look like? I'm gifted with communication. Guess what I'm the worst at in my marriage? Communication. What would it, what would it look like if I would start to communicate with my wife the way that I communicate with the church? With Robbie. She would love it if I would communicate with her as well as I communicate with Robbie. That's true. That's too true. Use your gifts to be a servant at home. Use them to be a servant at work. This could mean a few different things. Maybe a part of your purpose is a career. It's a career you have, like it is for me. Or maybe, maybe like for most people, you can use your gifts to work your purpose into your career. If you have gifts like insight, leadership, and wisdom, use them to lead people closer to Jesus to show, to show your coworkers what it would look like if Jesus was working right next to them at the firm. I'm just telling you, the world needs more of us who are willing to live in our purpose in our workplace. That's where it will happen. That, that's where transformation happens in a city when Jesus starts going to work with everybody. Be a servant. Use your gifts everywhere, everywhere you go, because God created you to use your gifts in a way that will make an impact. We, we got to see... A few specific ways that that happens just last week. Uh, two weeks ago, our church family endured a terrible tragedy. Um, some of our close friends, the folks that have been a part of our church since the beginning, lost their young son. And I've been so proud of this church in the days since. You have served that family, blessed that family, prayed for that family, showed up for that family in ways that is uncommon in this world. So honored to be a part of this church in this season. And we've gotten to see people use their gifts in this season. At the service, um, we have a, a guy here named Matt Dunn. And Matt Dunn is in charge of all of our video and our video feed, our, our live streaming of the church. He oversees part of our creative department that makes videos like that short film we watched before we started the service today. Matt is so gifted and so talented. And so he offered to this couple, let me stream this service for you for people that aren't able to make it. And they said, okay, that'd be great. And they expected him to show up and to do it. But they, what they did not expect was for Matt to give it everything he had. Matt runs a, a company in town called AV Live. And this is what he does for a living. He set up live streams. and He's very good at it. 
And he didn't just set up a camera so that they could show a tape to somebody. Matt came an hour early and set up three or four different cameras so they could show multiple angles. He integrated sound into the board so it would sound crisp and clear. He tuned it. He fine-tuned it. He did it over and over again to make sure it was perfect so that he could provide the very best way of serving these people that he knew how by using his gifts. And I can't even tell you, more than 2,000 people have watched that video now. Use your gifts in every part of your life to serve somebody else. Find ways, dream of ways. Use them everywhere. And use them in the context of the church. Last thing is join the dream team. See, I just believe that the primary way that we are called to use our gifts is together as the local church. The local church is the hope of the world. It was Jesus' idea, carried out by his Holy Spirit through the disciples, beginning a month or so after Jesus went back into heaven. And the vision was always the same. Since those first months after Jesus left and gave us the Holy Spirit, the church has been the people of God, using their gifts together to fill up heaven and empty out hell. Jesus said in Matthew 28, as he left, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I think sometimes we think that was Jesus' call to pastors. And it's not. He had there with him, he had these 12 disciples. And then outside of that, he had about 72 more disciples. And then outside of that, there was a couple hundred more people who had been following him since the beginning of his ministry. And Jesus set this model up in place where these disciples, they would start teaching people the way that he taught them, teaching them to use their gifts, to, to do the work, to serve people, to build up the community that they went to, to, to make Jesus famous, to bring this message there. And then those people would train other people to use their gifts, to come around them, to develop it. And, and it would keep growing and going and spreading. And, and this was his plan to bring hope to the entire world. Not that one person would stand on a stage and do the job, but that we would be the church and together with our gifts, we would come alongside one another to see real change happen from one community to the next. It's uh, described this way in Corinthians. Paul says, just as a body, although one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God's placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many parts, but one body. We have different callings, different gifts, different purposes, different things that we're good at, different ways that we can serve, that we can, that we can serve others. And they're all designed to connect to one another. You have gifts I don't have. I have gifts you don't have. So we need each other. I remember when I was a new Christian reading this passage. I was 22 years old. First time I really digested this passage. I'd been a Christian for a few months, and, and, I, and, I, and I read it, and it just doesn't take a theology degree to really understand what Paul is saying here. I was like, oh, 
I'm not an, I, I could be an ear, I could be a nose, I could be an eye, I could be a pinky toe, I don't know. But God says, I'm a part of a body, and that a body has to be joined together. We need each other to function right, to, to, be, to be effective, to do what the church was made to do. We need to work together. You see, I believe that, that we've got we've to correct this mentality that the church is a staff of people that we come to look at once a week. No, we are the church, and we are here to bring hope to the world. I just believe you should be on the dream team because you've got something we need that we don't have yet, and without you, it is missing. The church needs you. We need, we've got a big job to do. Jesus said, go make disciples of all the nations. That's a big job. It's a big job. It's a lot of work, and it takes every single one of us. Hear me say this. I don't believe that serving coffee is your purpose. I believe serving people is. And they're supposed to do it the way that you love to do it. I don't think serve. There's a myth in the church that says serving is sacrifice. Serving is if The more miserable you are, the holier you are. Yeah, serving is sacrifice because it is sacrifice to choose others over yourself. But where the myth gets it wrong is it doesn't make you miserable. It gives you greater joy than you could ever imagine. In the Hebrew language, they call it halal. And it means praise from the deepest parts of my spirit. And you only experience that when you're doing what he made you to do, the way he made you to do it, serving others, a part of the mission of the church on the dream team, serving anywhere, just anywhere that lights you up, anywhere that we can use your gifts, being a part of what God is doing here, and then taking it everywhere else. That's when you start to feel, oh, I'm where I'm made to be. I have a friend named Paul Mackey. Paul's a good buddy. And I remember when they came to our church a couple years ago, I met Paul at an event we were doing called the Coffee House. And we got lunch after that. And Paul told me about decades of church burnout that he had experienced. And it had been a long time since he'd felt like he could belong to a church or be a part of a church, because he was just so tired and just, just not really sure where he fit. So I just started asking him some questions. What do you love? What makes you light up? What do you feel like you were made to do? And I just heard a guy who was absolutely passionate about seeing people connect with people, seeing people's desire for relationship be met. Paul is, and his wife, Heath, are our life group coordinators at the church now. He serves our church by, by overseeing one of the most important areas of our church, by making sure people are in relationship. And I, and I was at an event with him two weeks ago, and there was like 15 guys at his house. Paul had a big fire going, and he has a sauna that gets 250 degrees and cooks human people inside of it. <laughs> and there's all these guys hanging around sharing life with one another, not just dude stuff, but actually sharing life with one another. And I saw Paul standing by the fire pit with tears in his eyes. I said, Paul, what are you thinking? And he said, I'm just thinking this is what I was made for, that bringing people together like this, that nothing makes me feel more satisfied. Halal, that's what it is. You can experience it too. You can feel it. You can know what it feels like to feel satisfied in the most deepest parts of your spirit. Use your gifts. Use your gifts to serve others, to build the church, to build up this, to bring the hope of Jesus into a dark city. 
to go out into your workplace, into your families, into your communities, your neighborhoods, and use your gifts and serve others and live beyond yourself and experience halal.